Welcome to the resource room. I'm Amanda, the blogger and TPTer behind the Primary Gal. As a special education teacher, you are always supporting others, students, parents, general education teachers. But who is supporting you? That's where this podcast comes in. It's my mission to give you the help and support that you need. I'll be sharing my tips, tricks, research-based strategies, and professional development. I'm here to help you grow and learn as a resource room teacher. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to the Resource Room Podcast. Today, I am kicking off a brand new series that I am calling Stop the Special Education Teacher Stress. At back to school time this year, I sent an email to everybody on my email list and said, hey guys, will you please finish this sentence so that I can kind of figure out how am I going to help you this school year? And the question was, the number one thing that stresses me out is, and then I asked people to hit reply and kind of tell me a little bit about what is stressing them out. So at that time, I sent a few emails, I kind of used what they had, but I've kind of been sitting on this information thinking, how can I best help people? Um, And I had to be choosy. Some of the topics, you know, behavior, I'm doing my best there with behavior as well. So while I might have some tips or tricks, I don't consider myself to be an all-star in that area. So some of the things that I'm going to share in the next few weeks are things that I feel like don't stress me out. Um, when people were replying, saying those things stressed me out. I'm like, oh, okay, I could help with that. So today we're going to talk a little bit about progress monitoring and some things that you could do to hopefully bring that stress level down and make progress monitoring something that you don't hate, something that you don't dread, or something that doesn't stress you out. Before we dive in with tips, I really want to say something and I say a lot of things that offend people. So I I don't mean this bad in any way, shape or form. But the first kind of thing I need to share with you is that you might be the problem. You created this monster. So if progress monitoring is stressing you out, I hate to tell you, but you have full control over are you going to continue to be like this? Or are you going to find a better way? And here's what I mean by that. Unless you are literally starting today with your job or your role as a special education teacher, you wrote those goals. You decided what you were going to work on for each of those students. And because it's January, I also want to say, yeah, maybe you haven't had an annual for some of those students. Maybe they're coming in the spring but you have had ample opportunity to revisit those goals if they're terrible. And let's be honest, we have all written goals that really suck. We have all inherited goals that really suck. It has happened to all of us and I am guilty as well. I have totally, completely, 100% written goals that sound really great until that first time I progress monitor and I'm like, what in the heck? was I thinking? Why did I ever think this was a good idea? This is a terrible goal. We've all done it. So this is the pot calling the kettle black. I can say it because I've done it. And so with that, I want you to kind of think about 
what is the number one thing that is making progress monitoring really freaking hard for you? And then I want you to think about, do you have control over any of those things? So even if you say, well, my school district says I have to do this. My school district says I have to do that. Okay, you know that when you're writing those goals. So you have to think, okay, if I know I have to collect weekly data, which sounds terrible, if I have to collect weekly data, I can't write a goal asking the kids to do something that's going to take me five minutes to assess or 10 minutes to assess. That's not going to work. You don't have that kind of time. So when it's time to write that goal, you have to write something that realistically you can progress monitor every single week. Gosh, I feel like I'm yelling at you. We're just a few minutes in and I have already like laid the hammer down. Okay, let's back it up and spin it in a nice way. For all of us, progress monitoring can be this big ugly beast that we can't even wrap our minds around tackling. It happens. What I want you to do is take a step back and see what do you have control over? What have you done to yourself to make life harder? Look at your circumstances, look at your caseload, look at the requirements and see what do you have control over that you can actually make better. Now, sometimes that means some work on our part to make the long run easier. For example, I just said, sometimes we write sucky goals. Sometimes we write goals that don't really work in real life. That means we have to revise and that's a pain. I know it. But if it's, say, um, IEP that you just wrote in November, maybe you contact that parent and ask if you could make some tweaks. That way you don't have to live with it until next November. But if it's something that, hey, it's January as I'm recording this, that you'll listen to it, maybe you have a conference that's due in March and you let it ride for a little bit and you're going to get smarter when you rewrite that goal in March. Either way, look at what you have control over and see how you can use that to make it easier on you in the long run. Now, how do we do that? That can be the hard part. That can be the tricky and the part that's gonna take some time and some thought and some trial and error. So whenever I'm talking with new special education teachers, whether it be in Facebook groups, through email, that kind of thing, um, sometimes like in live trainings, sometimes, when we start to dive deep into what's going on, why is progress monitoring so hard? The number one thing that I realize with people is that they don't have good routines. And when you don't have routines, then you are constantly, every single time you have to progress monitor, whether that's weekly, bi-weekly, tri-weekly, whatever it is, anytime you have to progress monitor, you have to stop everything you're doing to track that data. So what I suggest is, Maybe before you dive deep into progress monitoring, you have to look and see what are your routines? What are you doing every single day or every single week in your small groups? And then can you start making goals surrounding some of those routines? If you've listened to the last couple of seasons of the podcast, I talked about a lot of routines. What can you do for sight words? What can you do for math facts? All of those kinds of things for reading and for math. Those are my routines. I have goals around those routines. So one easy example that I think a lot of teachers can follow is reading fluency. Let's say I write a goal 
for a student to improve fluency from let's say 50 words per minute to 65 words per minute. With that goal, it's gonna be so easy to progress monitor in my group if I actually have something to do with fluency. However, just to tell them myself and let you know I've been there and I've made these mistakes. I used to have goals like that. However, I didn't have anything that I did every day to actually work on fluency. So with that, whenever I had to measure their words per minute, I had to deviate from what we were doing every day. Now, I don't have to do that. If I have a fluency goal, guess what? Every Wednesday and Thursday, we have reading passages that we're reading and we set a timer for 30 seconds or we set a timer for one minute and we see how many words they can read. Now, I don't have to stop what I'm doing. My kids don't even have to know that I'm actually watching or recording or going to report to their parents how many words per minute they can read. None of that has to be known unless I want my students to be aware of that because it's just built in to what we're doing. So then every three weeks when I have to collect data on that goal, no big deal. It's already there. I already have fluency built into what we're doing. To be honest, when I was a first year teacher, I thought I was rocking it because every three weeks I literally stopped all instruction all practice everything to assess my students who had fluency goals. I thought I was the bomb. No, I was literally stopping instruction every three weeks to assess my kids. Now I build that in and there's never this time where I have to just stop everything to make it happen. Some other examples of things that you might just build into your day, build into your small groups to help collect data might be using sight word games. Sight word games are a fabulous way to track data or collect that data and your kids don't even know what you're doing. They don't even care because they're playing a sight word game. And so with that game, then as players are playing, you can be marking, oh, Amanda was able to read this word and this word and this word and Kyle was able to read this one and this one and this one. You can collect all that data and they're happy because they're playing a game. Maybe it's something that you do all the time that's all good. The same with decodable words. You could have games that you play with your decodable words and then they think they're playing a game. You're collecting data. So you're not stopping what you're doing and there's no reason why you can't help a student figure out that word or tell them what that word, depending on is it decodable, is it you know a sight word, whatever. There's no reason why you can't make that instructional but on paper, you're not going to put that that student got that word correct, but you can still help them get it right, stretch it out, chunk up the word, whatever it might be in order to actually collect that data, but still make it academic or instructional or a learning experience. Um, so I, I love using games like that. Um, things that my kids, I'm just being sneaky about getting that data. I also have for a lot of my students who are some of my higher level readers, answering open-ended questions. It's literally something that we do multiple times per week and I can just collect that. It doesn't have to be, let's stop everything and let me see how you do on this open-ended question. No, it's just something that you're doing throughout the week on a regular basis so that you can see where they are. Again, it can still be a learning opportunity. For example, 
Just today, I was working with a student and we were working on restating and answering the question. He restated it like a rock star. However, I had to help him with the answering part because for him, his answers are always like close, but not quite. And so we were working on, now does that really answer the question? And when we said it out loud, he's like, no, nah, that, that doesn't really answer the question. However, on paper, I'm not gonna put that he was able to do that. I'm only gonna give him a point for restating, not answering. But I still made that an instructional opportunity. We still learned, we still practiced, but on paper, I didn't put that he could do that. I hope that makes sense. But again, you're not stopping what you're doing to assess them. You're just doing it in the moment. So what I want you to kind of take thus far from this episode is that progress monitoring could be stressing you out because you have really crappy goals, whether you wrote them or somebody else, or it could be because you're lacking routines. If you're lacking routines, or maybe you have the routines, you're just not using those routines to also progress monitor, that's an easy fix. Sit down and jot all of the routines that you have down on paper and start seeing, how can I assess this goal while we're already doing fluency, while we're already doing reading comprehension questions, while we're already answering yes ma'am? What can I do to use our routines to collect that data. Just a minute ago, I used an example about the student who was restating and answering the question. And I wanna use that example to kind of build into the next problem that some special education teachers have. So let's say I'm helping that student restate and answer. He rocked it when it was time to restate and didn't do so hot when it was time to answer the question. I helped him, I was able to see what he could and couldn't do, but what if I didn't have anywhere to write it down? We know this brain isn't gonna remember that in two weeks or three weeks or nine weeks when I have to actually record the data and send home a progress report. So one problem that I see a lot of special education teachers have is maybe they have good goals, maybe they have good routines, but they don't have a good organizational system in which they are going to record that data. I also wanna stress that progress monitoring and the way in which you record it is not one size fits all. What works for me works for me, but it might not work for you. I am very much paper pencil. I want it in front of me. I want a reminder. I want to be able to scribble notes. I want to be able to erase or white out or color code or whatever. And I know you can do all those things digitally, but that's just not my style. I've tried it and it just isn't for me, but maybe it is for you. That's okay. But what you have to do is if you're going to assess your students while you're already reading a fluency passage or while you're already writing a yes ma'am, you have to have a system of where are you gonna put that data? If I know that a student can read 38 of the 40 pre-primer dull sight words, where the heck am I gonna write it down? So then in three weeks or six weeks when it's time to enter that data for a progress report, I actually remember it. And so for me, I have a clipboard where I have what I call my progress monitoring cheat sheet and I have all of my students written down with all of their goals. That way, after I record that data or after I collect that data, 
I can go right to my clipboard and say, this student earned three points because he was able to restate. He didn't get that point for answering. He was able to cite one piece of evidence and another piece of evidence. He earned three points. Whenever I'm collecting data on a fluency goal, I can see this student read 50 words per minute. This student read 32 words per minute. That student read 15 words per minute. And I can go write it down right then when I'm collecting it. And that helps me have the data right in front of me so that then again in three weeks or six weeks or nine weeks or whatever is appropriate, when I'm putting in that progress report, I have all the data in front of me collected right in the moment and I never stopped what I was doing to make that happen. Along the same lines, I feel like many, many times we're stressed out about progress monitoring because it creeps up on us. So one of the things that I recommend teachers do at the beginning of the school year, but hey, we've got a new semester here. It is never terrible to hear this reminder again. Go through your calendar and put on your calendar or on your lesson plans that it's progress monitoring week. I don't care if you do it all week long. I don't care if you do it on Monday. I don't care if you do it all on Friday. I don't care if you collect that data slowly. But for me, if it's not on my calendar, it isn't gonna get done. So I have to go through and put that on my calendar at the beginning of the year to make sure that I remember when I'm going to be collecting all of that data. So then when I see, oh, it's progress monitoring week, then I know when we're doing fluency on Wednesday and Thursday, I can't just sit with a student and monitor it. I've got to go write that number down. We can't just play a sight word game and do nothing with that information. I've got to go write that number down. Then it's just that reminder to me that as we come across those things, now's the time to write it down. We're still doing those things every other week, but this is the week I've got to get it on my chart. My goal for these episodes is to keep them short and sweet. So I'm going to try to wrap it up here. But what I really want you to dive into or to take away from this episode is take a really good hard look at progress monitoring. What is making it hard? What is making it time consuming? What is making it stressful for you? Because it's a beast. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say that it is always quick. I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. Sometimes I have a really good system for one group of kids or for one school year. And the next year I'm like, wow, this is not working like I wanted it to. And that's okay. But you have to really look at what are you doing that's maybe making it harder this year than it was last year or more time consuming, whatever it is. Maybe it's not something that you just have built into your routines. Maybe it's not something that you're mindful of until like, oh crap, progress reports are due next week. I better find some data. I better make this work. What can you do now so that this entire semester does not have to be miserable for you? That it can be just something that works. And it may not work the first time. You might have to revise and tweak. And maybe you try digital and realize you're more of a paper pencil kind of girl. That's okay. Figure out what works for you. But be honest with yourself about what things you have control over. And what can you change to actually make it easier and work for you in the long run. In next week's episode, we're going to kind of take it to the next level and talk not only about progress monitoring, 
but paperwork. Paperwork is the number one thing that teachers say stresses them out. It's overwhelming. And what so many special education teachers are saying they're taking home with them. So we have to stop that stress. So I'll talk with you next week about how we can make paperwork a little less daunting. Well, my friend, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Resource Room Podcast. I truly, truly love to help and support other special ed teachers. Because of that, I run a Facebook group just for us. Search the Resource Room and request to join. You can also check out my website, theprimarygal.com, for blog posts, pictures, and more information. Until next time, have a great week.